welcome back to the Get Cute Podcast, y'all. It is Jocelyn. And before I get into the episode, I just needed to address a few things that have happened in the very short week between episodes. Six days ago, we saw videos of Jacob Blake, a black man in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Um, be grabbed by his t-shirt and shot in the back seven times by a police officer of the Kenosha Police Department. And then yesterday, August 29th, we heard the news that Chadwick Boseman had passed away from a four-year-long battle of prostate cancer. And for people that do not know who Chadwick Boseman is, Chadwick Boseman is the Black Panther and he brought so much joy and life to uh, the black community in 2016 as um, as T'Challa, as Black Panther. And I needed to acknowledge how tragic both of these things are for black Americans. Um, and... You know, I tell people all the time that I'm a black woman first and foremost. And so it just seemed right for me to start this podcast off with bringing uh, light to the Jacob Blake situation, even though uh, I've seen a lot of people on tech Twitter um, be completely disgusting about that situation. I'm, But I mean, it's obvious at this point that these people are just sitting behind thinly veiled racism at this point. Um, And to also talk about the impact of Chadwick Boseman and the impact that he had um, specifically on me, a nerdy as fuck black girl (laughs) from Southern Delaware um, who didn't grow up with um, live action representation of black superheroes and how amazing that was for me and how hopeful that made me. Um, so try not to cry. 2020 has been a hard year and I feel like for black Americans specifically, it's been an extremely, extremely hard year. Um, we've lost so many of our heroes, uh, the people we looked up to, the people that, have been guiding us on a path to equality for decades and people that gave us hope. So I want to dedicate this podcast episode to Jacob Blake and to Chadwick Boseman because this has to stop not dying. You know, dying is a very natural process and cancer fucking sucks. Believe me, I know my mom had lung cancer, but uh, police brutality needs to stop. We, I, I just, there's just no words f- at this point. There's nothing else that I can really say. But uh, yeah, this episode's going to be dedicated to Jacob Blake and Chadwick Boseman. Okay, now that we have the really sad shit out of the way, hi. <laughs> How is everyone? Uh, Today's episode, we are going to be talking about 
what questions you need to ask your company, be that HR, your recruiter, uh, your manager, if you have access to your manager before you actually start your job uh, to set yourself up to be successful. And I decided to do this because, you know, I start my role officially as a senior software engineer with PayPal Monday. So tomorrow, AKA today, when y'all are all listening to this. So I am going to be going through (laughs) the motions and, you know, just asking things that I realized I needed to ask while I was going through this journey. And I think that it will be really helpful and resourceful because um, a lot of the questions are tech related, of course, but then there are also going to be questions that you need to know just from an HR perspective. Also questions about your benefits, your pay, things that we as software engineers tend to overlook, but I do not overlook. So let's get into it. Are you teaching yourself a new language or framework or maybe just being stuck inside has you bored? edX can help. edX is a centralized platform that gives you access to over 2,500 plus online courses from 140 leading institutions such as Harvard University, MIT, University of California, Berkeley, and tech powerhouses like Microsoft and IBM. I have personally enrolled in the web programming with Python and JavaScript course from Harvard because it's always great to refresh your skills when you're not using them in your day to day. The best part is that there are other people taking the class with you so you don't have to grind through the courses alone. For Get Cute listeners, edX has given you a discount to use the service and you can choose to use the discount now or later. To take advantage of edX discount, go to edX.org forward slash cute. Again, edX.org forward slash cute. Today's episode is also brought to you by Grinding Coffee Co. Grinding Coffee Co. is a black LGBTQ plus affiliated and owned coffee business that is aimed at providing coffee to gamers and podcast owners like me. They have a great selection of flavors and also have variety packs in case you can't figure out what beans to choose. Visit grindingcoffee.co or click on the affiliate link in the show notes to use the code GETCUTE to receive a percentage off your order. Put your money in coffee where your mouth is. Support Black LGBTQ plus affiliated and own Grinding Coffee Co. Now back to the show. As a senior software engineer for any company, your scope of work extends way past just coding and systems design. You're now seen as someone that has some ranking or authority on the team, someone to look up to. Some may even call this being a mentor. So one of the first things that I do in general and will always do in my new role are the two following things. Thing number one, make sure to introduce yourself thoroughly. Thoroughly is important here. I like letting my team members know who I am and exactly where I stand as a person as soon as I join the team. Can this be seen as a little aggressive? Sure, but it's aggressive in the best way possible. Most of these blurbs that I end up writing about myself tend to be passed around in various email chains to like executives or other teams or something, but I want my coworkers to have a great first impression of me outside of interviewing. So I like letting them know who I am, where I've come from, uh, things that I actually like, like anime and singing and movies and video games, or, you know, just letting them know the tech stack that I the most proficient in and that I'm always willing and eager to help, which is actually true because obviously I would not be doing things like this podcast and various other things if I didn't like to help people. So just setting that all out there is a great start. 
the second thing that I would like to do, um, and I've only done this a couple of times in the past because I've only been comfortable enough to do this <laughs> with some teams, is to send in a message or an email to any interns or junior developers on the team, telling them that I will be there to answer any questions that they have during their onboarding process and even beyond that. Now, uh, it makes sense that you won't know a lot of specific answers about the code base since you and the intern are probably new uh, together, but you can give them your expertise in like setting up their machine, other technology, or maybe just answering questions about how to approach certain situations. Opening that channel of communication early is very important, so you can let them know that you're readily available as a resource. No one wants the senior software engineer that thinks their time is too precious to answer a junior engineer's question or anyone's question for that matter. Just Google it is not an acceptable answer, period. Now, on to the questions that I typically ask um, anybody that is around me. So I'm just going to go down the list that I have asked recruiters and hiring managers over the years to make sure that everything is kosher and things will just go along smoothly and there will be no hiccups anywhere along the line with onboarding. The first question that I ask is, when do I get paid? Uh, because we are all doing this job for money. Let's not kid ourselves. We need to know <laughs> when we are getting paid. A lot of companies have um, you know, biweekly payments, which is normal, but there are some companies that will do once a month payments. And as much of a hassle that would be to budget for an entire month, oh, uh, that's something that you need to know in order to get your finances all in a row. Along with how much you're getting paid and when you're getting paid, you also need to know how you're getting paid. And usually onboarding will try to set up your direct deposit with you before you even start your job officially. So hopefully that happens. But if not, feel free to reach out to your recruiter or whoever else is assigned to you to help you through with the paperwork to get your direct deposit information set up. Or if you don't like direct deposit, Make sure that you can confirm that your address is correct so they can sit and do your paper check. And that's on that. Second question, working hours. Now this pertains primarily to remote positions, but with on-site positions, working hours can differ by your team. So on-site people, you may want to check with your manager on this as well. I'm going to be completely honest. A lot of this will depend on how cool your manager is and how your prior coworkers and team members have not abused whatever cool thing that your hiring manager has set before them. So hopefully your manager is as cool as my manager because it was pretty much do whatever you want as long as your work-life balance is good and it was great. Just saying that is just so good. It's just something that I'm not used to in any job. So I'm just... Let's just take a moment and bask in that. Okay, I'm done. So also make sure that you don't miss any important meetings. Uh, examples of this would be stand-up, which is extremely important, sprint planning, retros, which are less important, um, but obviously still go to those. If warning to scrum masters and people that like retros alike, that is my personal opinion about retros. I have only seen pain and heartache around <laughs> retros that go too long 
or just talking about things that have already been talked about in other mediums such as Slack or emails, but what you can't see is me rolling my eyes. We we go to retros, okay? We do go to retros, not willingly, but we go. If you're working remotely, it's best to set your own hours where your teammates can reach you so that they know that you will be available between this time range. So for me, um, my team is actually primarily in California, so I am the only person that's on the East Coast, <laughs> which is um, quite a time difference. Um, if I were to be working their hours, I would be working till 8 o'clock at night EST, and honestly, I don't want to do that. So what I did, I tried to meet them in the middle as best as possible. My hours are now going to be 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., which gives me ample time to do some work um, in the morning before they actually start. Uh, it gives me enough hours to talk to teammates as well or have any meetings or things. And then also gives me time to kind of have a good amount of overlap with my team before I sign off for the day. Luckily, my manager approve this so we'll see how this works obviously if there's some meetings that are scheduled after my time i will uh, try to see how important that they are or if we they can be rescheduled but otherwise i want to try to strictly stick to 6 p.m cutoff because if you um, listen to my podcast about working remotely and the tips that i gave it's really important for me to make sure i'm strictly abiding by my cutoff rules so that way work doesn't start to bleed into my casual life because it's really easy to just stay on your computer and finishing work or meetings or whatever when you're at home on the couch. Another question, what machine do they use for production? Examples being Windows versus say a Linux-based system or Mac OS. This is really important. <laughs> I usually ask these questions in interviews even, um, mainly because if you need to assimilate to a new operating system, you can do that a bit before you start. So when it comes to your first week, which is typically just setting up your work environment, you won't take extra time trying to Google certain things or figure things out or bugging your teammates about such and such. Um, I have to say that working on Windows operating system is quite literally the bane of my existence so much that I set up Linux virtual environments so I can actually use this PC that I spent thousands of dollars on for actual development. Uh, but typically, you know, work machines won't let you do those type of things. So um, fingers crossed that I won't be working on a Windows machine. MacBook Pro Club for life. Another great question that a lot of people tend to not ask is what IDE do they use for their development? Um, it's really important to use the same IDE so that you're not spending a lot of time trying to figure out how each other's IDE, IDEs work when it comes to debugging. I ran into this specifically at my last job where, um, you know, half of the team was using Spring IDE, um, a quarter was using IntelliJ, woohoo, IntelliJ, and the other quarter was using VS Code um, for back-end development and front-end development. I tend to use IntelliJ for back-end development and then VS Code, even though I'm starting to develop uh, Java in VS Code and, and I actually don't hate it, um, but VS Code for back-end and also front-end. So, that's a lot of varying differences and it's best to know or to set some type of neutral IDE. So perhaps maybe you're not using that IDE 
for full-time development, but you can at least open that code in a neutral IDE so it's easier for team members to help you debug something if, say, your build's just, like, whacking out and you have no idea what's going wrong. Nine times out of ten, it's something with your IDE, so there's a little tidbit for you. And my last question, which, you know, might be the most important question, is what projects does your manager want you to tackle once you're up to speed? Um, so now up to speed is subjective. Most teams don't expect you to make any meaningful contribution. Examples of this would be code pushes to the repo and slash or production, um, seeing your code all the way through the pipeline price process, following up with that code, um, letting certain people know that are on your team and outside of your team that something is on in production and then also being on support for that piece of code and then also helping debug or fix any issues that may arise with that code, usually until three to six months into the job, which is a pretty fair way of looking at things. I would even dare say probably six months into the job if you are a um, junior to mid-level engineer and then yeah for a senior engineer i i do expect myself to be up to speed within three months i'm going to give myself an extra month as a barrier just because we're living in and i'm you're not seeing the air quotes but unprecedented times right now and um trying not to stress myself out too much but the overachiever in me is like three months done also as someone that has been lied to before about um what my ramping speed is supposed to be. Um, it is important that you can confirm this with your hiring manager again, just to make sure that you are both on the right path of understanding what your year goals are going to look like, and then also continue confirming that in any 101s or meetings that you have along the way. Also, it might be a project with a technology that you either haven't worked with before or want to brush up on before you start looking at, through the code base. Doing this a couple of days to a week beforehand can be really helpful, but obviously isn't necessary because I would say that learning these things is part of the job and things that you can do on the job. There's no need to do it all beforehand or even after hours. I'm just saying at least knowing what the project is, what the desired finished product is going to be, and the tech stack is very, very important. I should add a disclaimer here. You could be on a team with several products that have varying tech stacks. Not every tech stack is going to be the same. So be prepared for context switching, especially as a full stack engineer, which I am. Y'all, I believe this, that this is the end of the episode. As always, if you like this episode, feel free to leave me a comment and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to Get Cute Podcasts. It really helps me out. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email, email me at thegetcutepodcast at gmail.com, or you can follow me on social media at getcutepodcast on Twitter and also at so-and-so's on Twitter. That is my personal Twitter account where I tweet more often about Get Cute Podcast things. So just to let y'all in on some Get Cute news, um... You know, I am still finishing up the designs for stickers, patches, and pins. Um, I haven't really touched the t-shirt design since I did the initial sketch of it. 
So I'm probably looking at something to land um, on your timelines about how to purchase and when to purchase and all those great things toward the end of September, early October. As you know, it is about to be my favorite time of the year outside of my birthday. Halloween is my second favorite holiday and it deserves all the praise. So, you know, it is more than likely going to be spooky goodness. And I can't wait for y'all to be in that spooky goodness with me. Uh... What else do I have to say? Uh, as always, Black Lives Matter. Um, so feel free to support any of the foundations uh, with donations that I will leave in the show notes below. And also, again, uh, rest in power to Chadwick Boseman. Uh, he is going to be sorely missed as a, an amazing Black actor and bright light in this world. I tweeted earlier. Uh, this week, probably a day after uh, learning of his death, that it just seems like all of the great, um, kind and helpful and hopeful people tend to just leave this world too soon. And he and uh, he was definitely one of those people. So with all that said, this is the end. Um, I love y'all. And I hope y'all have a great week. See you next time. Bye.